This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Wednesday the 9th of November. And first today, police have made further arrests during yet another morning of Just Stop Oil protests on the M25. A rolling roadblock had been put in place between Junction 26 and 27 on the Kentbound stretch leading to the Dartford crossing after a person was spotted trying to access a gantry. Meanwhile, a police officer's been injured after a crash involving two lorries and a police motorbike while a rolling roadblock was in place. Well, these people are among the protesters. We're actually all fighting for the same cause. We are sharing the same struggles. All we're asking for is a livable future and world for ourselves and for all the other animals that we are sharing the planet with. What I really want to be doing is doing research on sustainable manufacture. But I realise there's no point in any of that if in my lifetime millions of people die as a result of the climate crisis. The climate activists are urging the government to stop issuing new gas and oil licences. Next, the support given to children with special educational needs and disabilities in Kent has been criticised in a damning report. Ofsted inspectors spoke to parents and young people earlier this year and found weaknesses first identified in 2019 hadn't been properly addressed. Sarah Hammond is the Corporate Director of Children, Young People and Education at KCC. For me, the biggest failure is the experience um, that children, young people and their parents and carers um, have had and have talked about uh, when they've been trying to secure the right support for children with SEM. Um, The other areas feed into that, but the experience in what can be very difficult, challenging times for parents, being so poor, is for me the greatest disappointment. And that experience, does that come from sort of being able to get in touch with the council, easily and accessible, feeling like they're heard? Is it those sorts of problems? So I think the experience is quite widespread. It's an experience um, starting in schools with a sense that um, schools uh, and settings are not always able to uh, meet their children's needs. Uh, It's an experience of waiting for health assessments, be they speech and language, be they um, assessments under the neurodevelopmental pathway. Uh, And then last, but by no means least, um, it's the experience that they've had when they've been trying to get information, get responses from the local authority. Um, They haven't been timely, they haven't been appropriate, um, and they haven't answered parents' questions. Well, the leader of the county council, Roger Goff, says the report makes for uncomfortable and hugely disappointing reading. And he's issued an apology. Well, what we've seen is a very, very poor outcome, and I think we absolutely have to uh, recognise that. I th- at the heart of it, I think, are two things. The first is that whilst we have actually made a lot of changes in this area over the last few years, and that's clearly not just the county council, it's health, it's uh, schools... Um, Nonetheless, those have not happened fast enough. And above all, we have not been successful yet in getting changes that are felt 
by parents in their day-to-day -day experience of our services. And I think that's one of the things that comes over very, very strongly from the letter. The second element is that we have very high volumes of education, health and care plans. So at the root of that is that at the moment there is not confidence by parents that they will get the right support for their child in the right place, which may often actually be a local school. And that is in itself generating a big volume of activity, much of which is actually a, a challenge to keep up with. And that itself also means then that the service that uh, parents get from us is nowhere near as good as it should be. Kent Online News. A little boy from Ashford has been left with a nasty injury after falling into a screw that was sticking out of a fence. Five-year-old Georgie was left covered in blood after it happened at a new development in Repton Park. Teller Wimpy has apologised and removed the fence. A care home on Sheppey has been forced to close because of staff shortages and rising costs. Eight people living at Bromfield House in Minster are having to find somewhere else to go. It's due to close its doors for the final time just days before Christmas. There's been an increase in the number of children in Kent needing help with speech, language and communication. New data shows just over a 1,000 Year 1 pupils have required support in the last academic year. That's a rise of around 8%. Some experts believe it's partly down to the effects of Covid lockdowns. Sidoni Delaney is a speech therapist who works with school-aged children across the county. The number of um, inquiries and the number of people going forward with private speech and language therapy for their children has increased massively over the last couple of years. Um, so I think there's probably lots and lots of different reasons for that. I've noticed we've had huge numbers of referrals of young children. I'm working with lots and lots and lots of toddlers at the moment who are, you know, will be starting school in in a year's time or whatever, and a huge chunk of their lives has been during the lockdown period. And um, I'm seeing all sorts of different things as a result of it, but there are certainly lots of families who have done their own research and their own reading up, and they're really, really questioning whether or not, um, and, they've been, and they're really concerned whether or not their child might possibly um, have autism, or actually, is it that these children have just never really learned to socialise possibly because they've never had all of those normal experiences that lots of toddlers and, and babies had. There's a whole cohort of children who haven't had that experience at all and it's whether or not you know sometimes that presents as something like autism you know but we've, we're working with the children and finding out that it's perhaps not that but it's just that they've lacked those experiences. I mean, I'm seeing people who come into clinic and we take the case history from the parents and they're explaining that, you know, the, their children didn't see any other children for huge periods of time. They didn't even have that normal kind of, I don't know, meeting up with cousins and having rough and tumble outside or that, you know, some some children haven't even hadn't even met their grandparents, you know, didn't even see their grandparents or build a relationship with their grandparents. So I think that the impact that all of these things have is is huge. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A man's died after ending up under a golf buggy at a course in Sandwich. John Suckling had been driving the vehicle at Royal St George's, but it was found on its side with a bar across his chest. An inquest has been told the 82-year-old suffered extensive injuries when it happened last month. Neighbour Edward Kennett has paid tribute. 
We moved in about a year back, but he, he greeted us first time we moved in, and he was he was a very pleasant man, yeah. He was always up very early in the mornings, and so he'd always tell morning at dawn, because he'd always be out on the street talking to people. Yeah, yeah. He seemed to, he seemed to know everyone around the area as well. Pleasant man by all accounts, from what I could tell about him. It was, it was only it was only about like, like about like a few days before he died, he'd, he'd knocked on the door to get a parcel off of us that had been dropped off for him. So yeah, it was, it was a big shock to me, because yeah, it was very recent, yeah. People living in parts of Herne Bay fear a water leak that's been going on for seven months could cause sinkholes. They say water's been flowing into a field near Thornton Close, causing the land to become saturated. South East Waters say the problem's been referred to their repair team who are scheduling the work. A new music venue is due to open in Maidstone after taking over an event centre that closed after less than a year. The Green Room has undergone a £250,000 revamp we're told it'll start to welcome guests from December the 3rd. Now, the hotel chain, the Tones D Grand Burston in Folkestone, has been named the worst in the UK for the 10th year running. It's been given a score of just 56% based on a survey of more than 4,000 people who were asked about things like cleanliness, food and customer service. The Grand Burston has a rating of 2.5 out of 5 on TripAdvisor, but it's still popular with people who want a cheap seaside break. Now, two Kent MPs are among those who receive some of the highest numbers of toxic tweets in the county. Natalie Elphick and Rosie Duffield are frequently subject to online abuse, according to new research. Almost one in every ten tweets mentioning their Twitter handle were identified as toxic. Kent Online News. Next, as progress continues on the development of the M2 and A249 Stockbury roundabouts, conservation efforts are also being ramped up. It's been 12 months since diggers first rolled in. In that time, National Highways say they've relocated ancient hedgerows, saved rare orchards and installed bat boxes. Dan Ronaldson is from National Highways. Obviously it's clear to see by everybody, anybody who drives through the scheme, that we've had to do quite a lot of vegetation clearance. Um, but all the vegetation that we've cleared is absolutely necessary for the construction of the scheme. If it's not necessary, we don't touch it. Um, anything that we, we cleared is all done um, under the supervision of, of third party ecologists. Um, and we also have a full time environmental manager on the scheme who also looks at the bigger picture. Um, However, despite everything that we've, we have obviously removed, um, all the replanting that we're doing um, will actually provide the scheme in the area with um, um, a positive net gain in its biodiversity. Uh, so what that means is that essentially what we, what we, what we do plant will be um, rich um, uh, in, in its quality in it, to enable the local wildlife to really um, thrive. Um, and yeah, so there'll be lots of tree planting, lots of shrubs, and we've actually already started a lot of that. So as areas become um, clear and signed off and we're not working those areas anymore, they immediately start, we then immediately start landscaping and, and, and putting those environmental mitigation works in place. So some drivers have complained that when they go past, they can't see anybody working. Is, is that true? No, that's absolutely not true. Oh, the only occasion that they wouldn't see anybody working is um, it would be for two reasons. It'd be one, whether they're slightly off network and you can't see them, or the other reason is because we've undertaken a task that requires um, sort of time in between the next tasks. So why did you decide to close the slip roads all in, in one? We, we undertook a lot of consultation around how we would best deliver the, the slip road um, closures. Um, unfortunately, 
all the work that's taking place over there is intrusive in its nature and it's all done online, which means it's all on the existing carriageway. So we could have, we could have uh, constructed the works using lane closures and putting in narrow lanes and contraflows um, and also a lot of overnight closures and weekend closures. The problem with that is one, it would have taken the best part of the year, uh, but also two, it's, 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 not, it's not the safest way to do it. And National Highway safety underpins everything we do. It's our number one imperative. So if we are able to close the slip roads for just one single chunk of time, um, it means that there are less changes to the road, which makes it safer for the traveling public because there's confidence and, and people know what's happening. It's safer for our workforce because they're not having to work next to live traffic. Um, it's safer for the people that have to lay out the traffic management and the cones and take them and ultimately take those back in again. Um, it reduces the risks of incursions um, and, and things like that. And also, the, the, obviously, the main benefit is that that particular phase of works from almost a year, we've been able to reduce that to 18 weeks. So in January, we'll be in a position where the works on that slip will be complete and we'll be able to reopen it. Um, and then um, that way it's just much more efficient and it, the overall impact, although um, you know it may be greater over a shorter period of time, because it's over a shorter period of time, the impact is less. And in football, Gillingham have knocked Premier League side Brentford out of the Carabao Cup. Their third round game finished 1-0 after full time with goals from Ivan Tony and Mikael Mandarin. The Chills then managed to win 6-5 on penalties. Here's manager Neil Harris. I said to the players before the shootout, we'd achieved already. Getting to 90 minutes with a draw um, coming from behind against a talented manager and a really good side. Um, we, we felt we'd achieved already. So I just said to the lads, just, just enjoy it. You know, absolutely no pressure. Um, I sat there and enjoyed watching the penalty shootout. I've got to be honest, for the, one of the first times ever. Um, so yeah, credit to my players, for, certainly for the way they, they... Credit to them for the whole game. You know, the, the, the fight they showed, the character they showed, the doggedness, the resolve, the diligence they showed in the preparation, um, but then the composure when needed as well. We knew it was going to be a challenge. We're not in great form playing away from home um, against a free scoring side. Um, we knew we'd have to find ways. Um, I presume you all know we had to walk here um, because we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't get here. So that was a challenge. We had to climb barriers to get over fences uh, as a group. We had to help each other over fences, um, and the players took it in their stride. Was we kicked off late because of it? Um, we had to leave two hours early to get to the hotel at lunchtime because of the. <laughs> the uh, the protesters. So we, we've had a bit of a carnage day, but we've got the reward for it in the end. I'm pleased for the group. We needed that tonight. We needed something to spark us. Um, but ultimately, the fans have had a tough two and a half years at this football club. And we're in a dark place as a football club at the moment. Um, we, we need help. Um, things are ongoing, and hopefully there's brighter horizons um, on in the forefront. Um, but, but we need it, and it's just been a difficult period. And I'm delighted for nearly 2,500 fans tonight who came out of hope, who came to see a new stadium to come and renew a, sort of a, a friendly rivalry with a team that played against a lot over the last couple of decades. Um, and now they go home really happy, so I'm pleased with them. Well, we tweaked, tweaked our attack just before the goal, and I'm not saying that's manual genius, it's just we just adjusted slightly just to try and get us a little bit higher up the pitch, but not opening up too much. Um, and we scored straight away. <laughs> So then it was like, well, we need to go back to where we was. Um, we, we didn't have a lot of changes. So two sort of 17 and 18-year-old on the bench that, that 
would have put on if need be, but didn't feel it was appropriate to put them on in the magnitude of the game. Um, so look, we went with the senior players and, and just sometimes you just trust your players. And like I said, to get to 80 minutes and be at one all and 85 minutes, the pressure was, really was on us. And I, I was quite relaxing. If we then conceded, it had been fair play to Brentford. They deserved to beat us. Um, so I, I was let, happy to let us just to you know, see it out, to be honest. We know where we are as a football club. You know, we're in a difficult spell at the moment. And um, what my players have shown again tonight is they've got character in abundance um, and they've got desire to do well. Yes, Brentford missed some chances tonight, but we didn't get opened up too often. You know, we weren't a car crash without the ball. Um, and that's how we've been. You watched every game, Luke. We, we're, not, we're not like that. We just haven't scored enough goals. Um, and if we score a few more goals, then we're going to be absolutely fine. Um, but we have to use this confidence and momentum individually and collectively and take it into Saturday. Well, that's all for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all of the latest news from across Kent. Plus, you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.